Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to today's uh, BX Portfolio Manager Showcase Series. Uh, this is Chris McKeffey of BX Partners. Happy to welcome you to our conversation today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a subject that's been kind of tricky for a lot of advisors lately, municipal bonds. You know, I know I look at, I look at muni scales and see 10-year you know, A paper at you know 1.2% and think, my goodness, what am I going to do? The client's got to have you know, $10 million to have $100,000 a year in income, it's just not, it, it's just not feasible. But as it turns out, there are strategies that you can use to generate some reasonable tax-free income in this market and even invest opportunistically within it. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So with us are uh, a couple of guests. First up, Jonathan Brown, who is an analyst and portfolio manager at Robinson Funds from the frozen tundra wholly owned by the Big Ten, the great swing state of Michigan, uh, to, to share with you his ideas as to what's going on in the, uh, in the muni market. And our very own Arun Call, our CIO at BX Partners from the blazingly hot swing state of Florida, uh, jointly claimed by the ACC and the SEC, to kind of go through this conversation around municipal bonds and what we can do in the, in the marketplace today. Uh, just a quick, to quickly point out who we are and what we do, among many other things, we uh, work with advisors to bring you strategies that we think are of high value. Arun and his team look at hundreds of strategies from dozens of managers every year. We find ones that we think are high value added, are differentiated. You're not finding them on a lot of other platforms, and we make them available to you through various different mechanisms, including uh, several of our own uh, great technology solution that we can demonstrate for you at any, any time if you, uh, if you reach out to us. So without further ado, let me hand it over to Arun, who can start the conversation with Jonathan, and uh, let's talk about munis. Gentlemen? That's great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, welcome, Jonathan, and certainly welcome everyone on the call, and thank you for your time. What we would like to do is spend about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, going through the strategy and drilling down into a little bit of detail about some of the methodology, some of the holdings, and uh, Jonathan's perspectives today. Uh, we'll just start off with maybe a, a background of the firm and the partners and then talk about the portfolio specifically, design characteristics, then maybe close off on uh, market commentary. And certainly happy to take some questions from you, uh, everyone on the line, towards the end. So, uh, Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Arun. Appreciate it. Um, always glad to be be on on one of these calls with you guys. So, great. Thank you. Why don't we just start just briefly with a, uh, a quick intro in terms of the firm, the background, the partners, the team, and maybe just touch on your philosophy to begin, and then we'll drill down from there. Yeah, sure. I'll try to try to keep sort of the overview brief. Um, so, as as you had stated, um, you know, I am one of the portfolio managers for. The Robinson Opportunistic Income Fund and Robinson Tax Advantaged Income Fund, as well as several of our separately managed accounts. Um, just as a, more of a quick intro, Robinson Capital is a independent investment advisor um, that was founded in 2012, and we really specialize in alternative fixed income solutions, uh, specifically focusing more on on the closed end fund space. Um, as stated, we manage several mutual funds and separately managed accounts and, and currently have over $700 million in, in assets under management. In terms of uh, personnel, we have, uh, you know, we're relatively lean here. 
Uh, we have seven investment professionals, um, you know, with well over 100 years of fixed income, fixed income experience combined, and three support and sales uh, personnel to help out with the investment team. Um, in terms of philosophy and methodology, as as you as you as Chris stated in in that intro, um, you know, we are an alternative fixed income manager. Uh, you know, we believe that, you know, in this yield-starved environment, we have for, for quite some time since, you know, obviously 2012, but, you know, in this yield-starved environment, you know, investors are not properly being compensated for the risks that, that are being taken in their tra traditional fixed income portfolios. Um, you know, as, as alluded to, you know, you have corporate bonds that are yielding, you know, sub-2% currently. You municipal bonds are, you know, generally yielding less than one and a half percent and 10-year treasuries, you know, at, at about 0 0.7, 0 0.8 here, um, you know, you're really not getting much of a, a, a return, you know, and it doesn't take much credit or interest rate to, to erode a full year or two worth of income at these levels. So, you know, w you know, we don't think that the principal protection sort of proposition is there in traditional fixed income at the moment, which has really led us to find an alternative uh, fixed income solution, um, which we believe we have through the wonderful world of, of closed-end funds. All right. So can you maybe walk us through your general approach or maybe how would you describe your philosophy to looking at uh, closed-end funds and what methodology are you employing to select and review some of these funds? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess just to start start out, you know, the closed-end fund space in general um, has historically and still remains more of a retail-driven space. There's not a, a whole lot of institutional players that, that invest in closed-end funds uh, for a myriad of reasons. Um, but, you know, we really believe that the closed-end fund space is really one of the last bastions of inefficiency in the public markets. You know, and it really warrants an active management style to take, take advantage of these disconnects. And that's, a, that's essentially what we do here at Robinson Capital. Um, in terms of on the muni side, you know, we, we monitor and track with our proprietary models over, you know, 140 names in the muni, muni universe, um, you know, on a... On a uh, intraday basis, and and ideally, what we're looking for is identifying those closed-end funds that are perhaps trading at the you know at the widest discounts relative to what we see as their true value. Um, and so we we look to take advantage of that disconnect in the market and really own those names that are the most undervalued, um, you know, in the space. And are, are you drilling in from a fundamental perspective? Are you more bottom-up or top-down? How would you describe your approach from that perspective? Yes, our, our approach is twofold. So obviously, you know, closed-end fund discount level is, is one component of, of, you know, alpha or capital appreciation that we examine, but it's not the only, um, only thing we look at. Obviously, we're looking at, you know, each individual fund, you know, um, you know, each fund individually and, and trying to understand, you know, how, how have the portfolio managers performed, you know, how have they performed in certain environments, you know, what type of risks are they taking in their underlying portfolio? Are they overweighting certain states 
Are they taking a longer duration, um, et cetera? So we do, you know, we, we sort of look at it as a two-pronged approach. We look at the underlying fundamentals of, of each of the closed-end funds, and then we also analyze, you know, where their discount level is to determine what the most attractive names are in the space. Sure. Uh, let's go through the, maybe the discount level a little bit. Maybe you can talk about what the discounts look like today, uh, what they looked like, I guess, maybe back in the uh, in the spring or in the, in the January, February when we had market stress, and how they compared to maybe a longer-term average. Yeah, so right now um, municipal closed-end funds are, are, are at their sort of wides from a historical discount. Um, you know, here we track over 30 years' worth of closed-end fund discounts, and you know, we're currently right around a seven, seven and a half percent discount level, which historically has been about as wide as it gets. Um, you know, for a few days in the in the market, you know, in, in March back when, you know, everything was blowing out, discounts, you know, did get out to 10 percent, you know, for for a couple of days. But as expected, those those snapped back once, you know, once sort of the flight to quality started to to unwind. So, you know, we think from from an investment standpoint, given where discounts are today, it's a it's an extremely attractive entry point into, you know, into our strategy and into municipal closed end funds as well. All right. So seven and a half percent right now is the discount level on the now. That is correct, yes. All right. Very substantial. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the characteristics in terms of duration and credit credit quality. Um, what are some of the tools you look for when you're in your selection method, uh, when you look for duration, credit quality of the manager, and so on? Yeah. So we're again, we're you know we analyze each of the underlying uh, closed end funds that we potentially invest in. Um, you know, by nature, a, a majority of the uh, municipal closed-end funds by mandate are, are going to be investment grade um, or better. And so, you know, we, you know when looking at that, we're, we, we do look through to, a, you know, really evaluate what, what the credit rating is of, of each. But the way that the closed-end funds really generate their, their higher yields, for example, the, on average, the municipal closed-end fund space is generating between, you know, anywhere from a four to five percent tax advantage yield, um, which is obviously significant, you know, significantly higher than than you know the muni bond, you know, market. I think the Barclays municipal bond index is yielding around 1.4 percent, so roughly three times what the broad muni market's yielding. Um, you know, to get that, uh, you know, what we what, what we say is that is the muni closed end funds do generally extend out and go further out, you know, out the curve, and so they generally run a a, a higher duration. And for example, um, our our municipal bond strategy is it has a duration of just under nine years currently, versus the Barclays Municipal Bond Index, which is roughly five and a half. So a nine-year duration versus about five and a half, and investment grade across the board. Is that correct? That is correct. So we the overall credit quality is a, is is roughly a single A plus. Single A plus, and the yield you said is a little over four and a half percent. Yeah, as of as of uh, end of September, the 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 strategy was yielding four point one three. Um, that has increased slightly, so we're probably closer to four and a half at the moment. Right. So in terms of the total return, our return expectation, are we able to kind of add those numbers together in terms of a return forecast, or how do you look at that 
when you discuss uh, with the client about the return? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and you know, right now we're really pounding the table um, in terms in terms of uh, return opportunity. You know, the way we look at it, sort of simple math um, versus, you know, the broader municipal municipal bond uh, market is, you know, we're, we're looking at called a 4.5% yield, you know, and then we think that the the – Basically, the the environment for closed-end funds is very similar to what we saw back in 2010 to 2013, where their Fed, you know, kept rates at zero for the foreseeable future and kept spreads tight. And and it, over those three years, closed municipal closed-end funds traded actually at premiums. So given we're about seven and a half right now, you know, we 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 conservatively, you know, could see over the next you know 12 months you know, a 4.5% yield plus 7.5% of, of discount narrowing um, back to NAV, you know, basically equates to a return of, of 12%. Um, you know, you compare that to the traditional or the, you know, Barclays Municipal Bond Index or the broader Muni Index, which is yielding 1.4%, but has no discount opportunity. Well, that's a significant, you know, outperformance potential that we see over the next 12 months as being fairly reasonable. Right. And can you just give us a little idea maybe on performance or on a day like today, I guess where we have a stress day in equities and um, some stress in corporates or credits. Um, how how does the fund, how do you see the fund performing uh, in certain stress days? Or maybe today if you have some numbers in front of you. Yeah, no, I mean, so today today's it was an interesting day in the market. Obviously, you know, um, with equities, you know, selling off pretty heavily. Um, most most of the time, when you see sort of uh, risk assets selling off, you're going to see closed end fund discounts widen. Um, you know, it it's just generally how it goes. It, it generally how it goes. But today, um, you know, we're we're seeing the the municipal closed end fund space actually hold up fairly well. Um, you know, the the space was down roughly. Oh, I think it's you know, uh, sorry, I have the number here. I, it was down, I believe, about 20 basis points. So, you know, it held in there. It held in there pretty well for such a risk-off day. Right, right. And I think, I think, you know, I think a big part of that has to do with, you know, again, you know, the expectations for municipal, municipal bonds going forward over, you know, the next six or 12 months. You know, we're here at Robinson. We're 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 pretty constructive on the muni space uh, going forward. Right. So that's, a, that's a very good number for today. I think the MUB was down around 13. The, the municipal ETF was down around 13 or 15 basis points. Right. So comparable right. to that. Yes. Yeah. No, it was right in line. So uh, municipal closed-ends funds held in and very well. And, you know, the, a big part of that has to do with the fact that they're trading at such wide discounts. Um, generally, right. a, a large portion of the downside risk has already been taking out, taken out. So, Again, that's just further further evidence to us that right now is a our particularly uh, attractive entry point. Right, right. And maybe you can just comment a little bit on trading liquidity. Uh, obviously, on stress days, maybe liquidity is more important, or just in general, how do you assess the liquidity of some of the funds, and what kind of criteria do you assess when you're looking at trading liquidity? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, closed-end funds generally get a, a – bad rap overall in terms of being very illiquid. Um, you know, while we acknowledge that some funds are less liquid than others, in general, um, you know, they, 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 they generally, the closed-end fund 
universe generally has around 130 million of daily, average daily volume. So it's not, we look at it as more of a small cap trade. Um, you know, couple that with our, our institutional relationships and, you know, we're really able to source daily block liquidity that perhaps, you know, uh, some more of a retail audience may not be able to source. So from a liquidity standpoint today, you know, um, you know, we saw, we did see good liquidity in the space. And so, um, you know, no, no concerns there. Right. Right. And then just maybe in terms of portfolio construction, in terms of the number of funds, and maybe just commenting quickly on ETFs. Do you include any ETFs in your construction? How many funds do you generally have? And how do you look at um, allocating the weights to different funds within the within the strategy? Yeah, so in general, um, you know, we look to hold between, you know, 15 and 30 funds, I would say. And, and part of the reason there is because you know, we look to essentially create a large active index fund. Um, you know, our, our strategy generally holds several thousand underlying municipal bonds, and, and that's by design. Um, you know, we, we see, we, we believe that our outsized yield plus our, you know, alpha opportunity from discounts going to NAV is, is, is much more significant than needing to take on any, you know, issue-specific risk. And so by design, you know, we look at holding you know, between 15 to 30 funds as, you know, being fully diversified and essentially, you know, uh, one of the largest um, active index funds out there. Right. Uh, can you comment on governance in terms of your universe? Like I said, you have about 150, 140 names in the universe. If you're kind of narrowing that down to about 15 or 30, um, how do you look at some of the governance issues with the funds? And what are your key criteria yeah. in, that, in that space? Yeah, no, I think governance is is obviously important to to understand on a on a fund level, and it's it goes into what we what I would consider our fundamental uh, research of the underlying closed end funds. So, you know, is a a fund company you know going to step in to support their discounts when when they get extremely wide? Um, you know, we've seen some of the bigger fund uh, fund issuers like Nuveen. You know, they generally have you know very shareholder friendly governance in place. So they've been doing a lot of mergers of smaller funds into larger funds. And the rationale there is that a by combining funds, they're able to lower lower the overall expenses and also increase the liquidity, which means that discounts you know generally trade you know at, at Closer to the NAV versus perhaps a more illiquid fund or one without, you know, or one with higher expenses. So we do look at that as one of the last steps in in our fundamental process. Are the are the closed end fund issuers really there for for the shareholders? Right. And, and can you comment just within your portfolio in terms of rebalancing? Is that something that you actively do? Uh, what kind of turnover can investors? And expect in terms of the number of funds and what's the general holding period uh, of the portfolio? Yeah, so we, our typical turnover is is going to be anywhere between what I would say 40 to 100 percent, um, probably closer to that 40 percent. Again, we're going to you know be you know extremely tax sensitive, um, especially given the you know municipal nature of of the strategy. Um, you know we do. We do rebalance between closed-end funds and ETFs as discounts move. 
So, for example, given that, you know, closed-end fund discounts are near their historical wides, we're going to be, you know, heavily overweight closed-end funds at the moment um, as right. we think they're more attractive. As, as discounts, you know, perhaps migrate, you know, back to NAV or even at premiums, you know, we're, we're going to lighten up on our closed-end fund exposure and go into, you know, ETFs or mutual funds until those closed-end funds become, you know, more attractive, you know, over time. So we, we do think that, a, a, you know, a, com, a rebalancing between closed-end funds and ETFs and will, will add, add, add value over the long term. Right, and right now you're skewed to mostly to closed-end funds and very little ETFs. Is that what you're what you're saying? The construction is now. Yeah, so so we're about seventy-five percent closed-end funds, twenty-five percent ETFs at the moment. Right, and that's driven by the discounts and the spreads available in, in closed-end funds. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, that's great. Uh, maybe we can just shift a little bit to some of your thoughts uh, at a, on the market and kind of market commentary uh, in terms of some of the broader issues, I guess, with uh, Fed policy or monetary policy that you've seen this year. Maybe give us an idea how some of your managers have reacted or how you have reacted in terms of construction and selecting funds given some of the policy moves that we've seen this year. Yeah, so I think uh, this, this has been quite an interesting year, um, you know, to say the least. Um, as of as of recently, um, you know, there, there's obviously some major headwinds on the horizon. Um, you know, we have a binary sort of event coming up with the election and then just the whole unknown about how, how COVID is going to play out over the winter here. So, you know, it, it's not surprising to see that, you know, over the past few months, uh, municipal bonds themselves really haven't moved much. I, I think we're waiting for you know, some clarity in terms of how, again, how the election is going to play out first and foremost, and then, you know, how, how COVID is going to, you know, w what's going to happen with, with COVID. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a surprise to us to see, you know, sort of munis in, in a holding pattern at the moment. How, however, we think that, you know, once we get past the election, you know, we see a lot of reason for municipals to, you know, to, have some strong performance and and obviously you know whether or not we see you know the see the blue wave that that media has been you know hinting at strongly uh play out that would probably be the best case for municipal bonds or if we have more of a status quo we we think that that should be you know all else equal we we think muni should hold in there but we you know in that environment we still think that municipal closed end fund discounts you know, will continue, should continue to narrow and create outperformance. All right. So you think you get some pretty strong tailwinds from the potential for higher taxes in 2021? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's been talked about pretty heavily in the mainstream media, but, you know, a blue wave, you know, it's going to create, it's going to result most likely in higher marginal tax rate for, you know, high income earners and corporations, you know, which makes tax exempt investments that much more attractive. Um, you know, you're more more likely than not to see a you know a substantial fiscal stim stimulus package, um, you know, that's going to offer aid to the state and local governments, which should you know should lead to improved credit fundamentals. And then you know, in in those you know with that scenario, you're going to continue to see strong retail flow into municipal bond funds, and and that should bode, bode well for the municipal closed end fund space uh, specifically. Right. Right. 
No, that makes sense. Uh, you know, maybe we can just open up to some questions uh, or just have, uh, if anybody's have any questions, we can start to open up there. Maybe I'll just, just one quick question for you just to close out. Um, are, are you seeing your underlying managers making some adjustments around the election? Are some of them more active or are some of them less active? Or do you look for a blend in terms of the managers and their, their approach from a macro perspective or a bottom-up approach? Yeah, so I think we, we are we we are you know in contact with the man, with many of the managers that that we that we own. Um, you know what I would say is while they're they're making marginal changes at the whole again the 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 overall goal of our our strategy by holding fifteen to thirty funds is really to create that large index fund. So even if right. they're each manager's moving at the margin, we're we're really maintaining a fully diversified uh, municipal bond strategy. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Chris, I can uh, pass it back to you if you have any follow-up questions or if there are any questions from any advisors on the line. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, sir. And I'll open it up for questions for a minute. But there's something that I, I think you touched on this, but I still find it interesting. If you could just very briefly explain the mechanism by which yields have been rising in this space um, when everything else seems to have been falling. What's going on there? Yeah, no, that, that's a, a key point. I, I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, that, that's also precisely a, a key component to, you know, why we also, why we believe that closed-end fund discounts are going to move back to premiums. So closed-end funds, um, you know, by nature, they issue all their shares, you know, at, at IPO. And so they're fully invested. They don't have to deal with redemptions or whatnot, um, unlike open-ended funds, which, you know, for every new dollar that comes in in a declining rate environment has to be put to work at lower and lower rates, therefore diluting existing shareholders' income. Closed-end funds don't have that issue. And in fact, you know, we've seen over half of the municipal closed-end fund space increase distributions this year by an average of 10%. And the reason that is, is, is given the Fed essentially moving short-term rates to zero, the cost of leverage for these closed-end funds has, for all intents and purposes, moved to zero. Um, you know, given, you know, that they're, they're, they're monitored by 40 Act, uh, you know, they have to distribute all of their income. So lower the cost, all else being equal, you know, means means increased uh, distributions to shareholders. And so, again, unlike more traditional open-ended mutual funds that, you know, have seen, seen uh, distribution cuts, we've actually seen an increase in distributions and closed-end funds. And that, that, you know, we think that that's going to be a, a big tailwind, you know, going forward for discounts. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. No, I appreciate that. Let me at this point, I'm unmuting all the lines. So anybody that would like to ask a question, we'd love to have you, um, you know, ask it now. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, I can just ask uh, one quick question, maybe while some people are formulating questions. Uh, can you just comment on how the strategy is available to investors in terms of uh, the delivery uh, separately managed accounts, funds, and so on. Yeah, so so as we sort of we as we talked about, um, you know, more specifically, we talked about our our SMA offering today, which you know was was offering a four and a half percent yield um, single A investment rating. Um, we also do offer the same 
the similar strategy in a mutual fund format. It's the Robinson Tax Advantaged Income Fund, uh, ticker ROBNX. And it, it, it essentially, you know, offers a 3.6% yield single way credit quality. But what's different about that strategy is we actually, you know, uh, we, we manage the duration to inside a year. So instead of having a, a, a long duration strategy, we, we essentially hold a portfolio of closed end, municipal closed end funds, but reduce that duration to inside a year. One year duration and the same a similar discount uh, to NAV as the other as the other strategy. Yeah, almost almost exactly the same. And so again, you know that that has a three point six percent yield, roughly a seven and a half percent discount, single A credit quality, and less than one year duration. So you know we're pretty excited about about that uh, that characteristic profile. Um, to be honest, we haven't seen another strategy that can offer that type of you know, return potential and, uh, you know, with, without taking unnecessary credit or interest rate risk. Right. And is that run like an index fund as well? It is. Yeah. So we run that um, generally, again, probably, tw- you know, 20 to 50 holdings, a, li- a few more holdings. But the, the goal of that is also to have a, a uh, large active index fund and not take any unnecessary uh, diversifiable risk. Right, right. Okay. Chris, I'll pass it back to you for any follow-ups or any further questions. I'm going to open it back up to the audience. Any further questions for uh, John or Arun? I guess I'm looking at the fact sheet from 930. Um, and it says 97% in closed end, zero in, in ETFs and open ends. I, I guess I missed that comment. Did you, did you guys cover that? Um, for the for the nine thirty. I'm looking. Well, it's a tax it's a tax advantage fund. So is that going to be all all closed ends? Oh, um, so for the tax advantage fund at, at that at that point in, in time, yes, we we are um, you know almost fully invested in closed end funds. We will um, also invest in, in, in ETFs or mutual funds as, as discounts dictate, but we do have a slightly higher um, allocation to close-end funds versus the SMA at the moment. Okay. I was just on the website. I don't see the – I mean, I have the presentation you guys sent. But I don't see the muni fund the kind of on the left there under those Liberty Street funds uh, headers. Is it is it because it's separate? Um. So what what are you seeing on the on the the Liberty Street site? I just see West Loop Realty Fund, Robinson Tax Advantage Fund, Robinson Opportunistic Income Fund, and Braddock Multistrat. Yep. So the the you, so you should see. So I guess what was the question on that one again? How come the how come the municipal strategy is not there? Ah, um, I will have to take a look. It should be. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I don't. I don't see it there. But I had a more kind of more pertinent question. So, sure. how do you guys value? I mean, how do you come up with a value for the targeted, um, or what what a muni closed end should trade at? Um, one of the things I, I've done is I've, I've done a regression model on muni closed ends using a few different factors, and it has a has a really good fit. If, you know, from from an R squared point of view, 
um, show what is basically a warranted discount. So I'm tending to buy the ones that are kind of at a wider discount and sell the ones that are above their warranted discount. What, what kind of tools and, and things are you guys using um, in terms of identifying funds that are that are quote unquote cheap? Yeah, so we're we've we've created sort of a internal proprietary model. So we're you know we look to I think similar to what what you're alluding to look to different um, different metrics that we can quantify and you know we look at those as being sort of the rational factors right if you will so you know how's how's the fund manager performed relative you know to peers over history where you know what's the discount level look at look like relative to peers look at uh, relative to its own history, we're looking at expenses, use of leverage, et cetera, and and we try to quantify, you know, what that that true value is, right? What we can't explain is what we what we ca consider the irrational discount, um, and that's that's the piece that we we think should not exist, and that's how we then you know rank our you know, universe of closed end funds. Okay, interesting. I found basically four factors that are the the most explainable when kind of doing a regression, um, and some of them are just like plain out simple. Is it a PIMCO fund or not? And using a binary number there, um, right? I mean, it's crazy. But my model basically says if two fund two mini funds are the exact same, and one has a PIMCO name and one doesn't, the PIMCO name will trade 12 points higher than the other fund. Yeah. It, no. So, I. You, you know what? That's that's a very very um, you know that that's a key point um, that Pemco generally trades at premiums and so you know when we're when we're talking with individuals what we always say is you know the absolute level of the discount isn't something that well let me rephrase that the absolute is discount level isn't the only thing that you should be looking at right you have to look at relative to its own history um, as well because just because a name's trading at an, the deepest discount well. There's probably factors that that warrant it trading at such a, a discount, and it may trade there, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, that's 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 definitely a good point um, that you know you have to look at each each one individually. Thank you. But John, just to follow up on that, ones that are likely to languish at a discount, if they historically trade at six, and now they're at six. But you get an extra 40 basis points in yield, and they don't typically try to do a bigger discount than that. They could still be a good opportunity to own, right? I mean, you're not necessarily just playing these for the, for the upside. You, you got yields coming out too, and as long as it's not historically expensive relative to itself, wouldn't that be an okay time to, to look at adding it? Yeah, no, it, it it definitely could. And again, you know, that kind of all goes into our proprietary models. Not only are you looking at you know how the how the fund currently trades versus you know historical discount, but you also want to evaluate how it's trading relative to you know the rest of the universe, you know in 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 terms of its discount level. So um, you know really looking at these on a relative basis has has probably yielded the most um, most value for our model. It's great. We're a little past the time that we like to go on these typically. Are there any more last-minute questions? Just one quick question. Um, in regards to when you're looking at the discount, and maybe I missed it, uh, are you also paying close attention to the uh, potential possibility of any kind of gift cuts on those closed-in funds? 
is obviously uh, I apologize. You're, you, it sounded like you were cutting in and out there. I didn't. I didn't catch that question. Yeah. The the question is is when you're looking at these closed in funds, and and obviously they look extremely attractive from a high yield perspective or in an environment where there's no yield to capture. And so from an alternative perspective, you're looking at closed ins that are trading at you know in some cases very steep discounts. That being said, do you also put um, do you also keep a close eye on the closed-in funds that may or may not cut their dividend yield or cut their distribution? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We have found, um, so we monitor the, you know, the, um, you know, coverage ratios of, of, of every mm -hmm. uh, closed-in fund because, um, and, and, and I actually ran um, several years ago a large back test on, on the impact of dividend cuts on, on closed-in fund discounts. And, and found that there are, you know, basically a fund that cuts its its distribution um, has significant underperformance over the over the next 15 to 30 days uh, before it's able mm -hmm. to, you know, even start to perform in line versus the peers. So, you know, one of our key sort of sell metrics, if you will, is mm -hmm. if if a fund in based on our model looks like either a it's not covering its you know, it's dividend or it's uh, UNII is trending in the wrong direction. So yeah. that is a key, that is absolutely a key um, variable or factor to keep an eye on in terms of names to avoid. Well, that's why I asked you that question because I have an extensive background in closed-in funds. And while they may look attractive, you know, to the eyes of the beholder, sometimes that dividend, like you mentioned, if it gets cut, it can be detrimental and devastating to that closed-in fund, sometimes longer than 30 days. And so, you know, I appreciate oh, yeah. the answer on that. That's what I was hoping to hear from you, so thank you. Yeah, that's, that's key. That, that is a key point and something to strongly focus on. <laughs> thank you. So, sorry, one last question. What was your name when speaking? Uh, it, oh, Jonathan Brown. <laughs> Okay. Oh, Brown. Okay. I was just kind of looking on the website. I wanted to see who was, who was yes. doing the talk. Thank you. Right, thank yep, you for no this. Problem. This is really great. Okay. With that, we'll wrap it up. I want to thank everybody for their participation this afternoon and thank um, Jonathan and the room for being on with us. Hopefully, this was uh, enlightening to you. And please reach out to me if you have any questions. I'll get you in touch with the people with the right answers. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Sheldon. All right, have a good one. Bye.